Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Bray. And I I don't even know what to say. I got the most amazing people here today. I, I'm I'm so, so fortunate. Dr. Just recently, Dr. Basil Marin and Jakari, but we call him JT Taylor. Did I get it right? You are the That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mess up names too much. And I always try to figure that out first because to me, the name matters a lot. Mm, that's right. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's a session right there, Barbara and myself. We can talk about that for a whole hour. Again, <laughs> again, we talk about kids. You talking about um, talking about knowing their name. That means you're you're trying to understand who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're going to talk about a, a variety of things today as it relates to equity. But so many kids, you just teachers don't even know their name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is a number. There's just a number. You're just a student in the class. And when you don't, and we talk about those relationships and getting to know kids, it's about having a personal connection. If you take the time, like I said, my first name's Anastasio. You got JT is Jakari. That those are two <laughs> difficult names, right? And, and, and I didn't so know you, that. Yeah, so that's, that's my first name. Basil's my middle name. So you, you think about, but I've always went by my middle name. But you think about that, um, you know, when you get your name butchered all the time and people don't take the time to recognize that, that's huge. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that's the first thing you're doing, spending time to know our names. Appreciate you. So I'm Barbara, which was a big name in the 50s. And they stopped naming people girls Barbara because of the Barbie doll. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> and then I was Bobby in in college, and you know that got messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I had Bobby. I was a one of the dance team, and someone goes, "Oh, here comes Booby." You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I said too much now. All right. <laughs> so why we're here is because you mentioned something about this idea of disrupting the status quo and why now is the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to unpack that a little bit, um, it's funny because from last year um, after George Floyd's death, um, I, you know, I'm one of the co-moderators of, of culture ed and it was really sitting on my heart just about everything that was going on as a black male watching it, the students we serve, um, I just really struggled, and I, I'm a big, you know, I'm 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 a big time person who uses social media a lot to just, you know, learn from other people, but also to give. And I was quiet for like a month, right? And people people recognized it. I had a couple mm-hmm. people text me, uh, uh, you know, uh, call me, leave me voicemail, say you okay, and I'm like, I just don't know how to process how I feel. And if I put out what I feel right now. Um, it, it may not be the authentic basil that you know, right? You might get a different side. And so I'm, I'm just going to stay quiet for right now. Um, and so when that, my time came to, to do that chat, it was really one top, first time I was able to process really how I was feeling. But really, it was in the form of questions that I wanted to get feedback from other people about how they were feeling. Um, so there were very poignant questions about race, about mm-hmm. the, the, the educational system. I think the actual title was How to Rebuild the Broken Educational System. Right. Mm-hmm. That was actually the title. Um, and so after that, after that chat, it, again, it was very rich. People came. I mean, people all over. I, like it was a, one of a viral Twitter, uh, just, just, just promoting it. People were like, yeah, we're there because we got to have this conversation. And as JT and I were talking, um, we kind of spoke afterwards. And I'll kind of go to that in a minute. But something he said was people aren't having these conversations and people were kind of mm-hmm. Not not even scared, but didn't know where to go to have the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of their PLN. So one of the things is that we connected. We were already, we were already, you know, um, you know, cool associates. We knew, we did the work. He was an ASD emerging leader, but I, I maybe let him go into it. But he kind of said, you know, he he had called me afterwards and said, I see you. Oh. I see you and I, I know what you stand for. And I, I got to see the depth of who you are today. Right. And so when we talk about and I'll let him speak to that, but specifically to the question about um, being passionate about disrupting the status quo. I'm passionate about it because I lived it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I lived it. It's personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's personal. I, I was a kid who was in a junior in high school and asking for an SAT waiver. And I had a guidance counselor look at me and tell me kids who don't go to college don't need the waiver. Oh. Right? 
Like yeah. I've lived inequities. I've seen inequities, right? Um, and so you was coming up in school, feeling like you're just a number in the school. Um, yes, you're getting Title I services. You both know I struggle with reading and writing, but just feeling like you're, you're kind of an outcast. I mean, you can feel when you're in a system and a system is just kind of letting you kind of float along and bob along, but they're not giving you the true support you need, right? Um, and so I, I really truly feel um, again, I'm honored and humbled that I, I did have opportunity and God allowed me to get my doctorate. But Barb, I must really be honest with you today. If we were truly doing education the right way, the equitable way, I shouldn't be a unicorn. JT should, shouldn't be a unicorn. You should see a whole lot of other you know, people across the nation who are doing it are getting, are getting equal uh, opportunities to be successful. And the fact that we're only 2% of a teaching force. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a mic drop right there. Yeah, it tells yeah. you what you need to know. Agree, and I and I would say to that, um, yeah, when you're talking about rebuilding a broken system and disrupting the status quo, I mean that that's a mouthful because basically you're saying I'm not gonna be silent. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to allow what has always been to continue to be. I'm going to allow my voice to be heard. And so once I saw Basil moving in, in almost center stage across social media, allowing his voice to be heard, that's what really prompted me to call him and just voice my support and my encouragement. Because, Barbara, as you know, when you begin to really focus on disrupting the system, you almost become lazy labeled as the black sheep you know <laughs> yeah. pe people stop inviting you to you know this and that um and so you don't always have people who are willing to hold your ladder and be a cheerleader for you um even though people might you know want to support you they might do it in a secret fashion you know like mm -hmm. they don't allow you to know that hey i'm actually fighting this fight with you because they're afraid of backlash they're afraid of, say of someone saying you know you're gonna be buried so to speak you know that you're not gonna be able to move up the ladder or and achieve that level of success simply because you have a genuine desire to disrupt the status quo. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why we have to be in this work together and support one another because this is serious work. Well, I started years before. I, I'm a lot older than you guys. I mean, I, I tried to transform the system some time ago and got in a lot of trouble. I was doing showcases and told, wait a minute, you didn't get permission stop that. Mm -hmm. Or, and some other things I tried doing. Um, it's like I got my hand slapped so many times that it, I didn't want to be in the system. So that's why I started my own business, which I'm sad because why can't we be in the system and <laughs> make these changes? And so I decided that the one thing I can do is at least get the voices out there and do what I can to show all of us can do this. If mm -hmm. every child that I saw, I thought, there's a genius there. There's a genius there. Why aren't they being shown? You know, they're told to be quiet, raise their hand when they, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. And because that's how I was in school too, Basil. I, I was not, I was doing the game of school because they told me I wasn't a good reader. They told me that I'd never make it. I had a teacher tell my parents that I was stupid. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Whoa, I wish they were around now, you know, <laughs> just to show them. And I, it made me think if they're doing it to me, can you imagine? Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's so powerful. And that, that's I think um, what we have all learned as we become, you know, more experienced and seasoned educators, that reflection is the most powerful instrument and tool that we have. And when yeah. we reflect, we really gain crystal clarity on the problems that persist in the, in the field of education. And, I, and I'll just share this, this brief story. Um, my brother, I have a brother. He's one year older than me. Um, he was in gifted and talented. I mean, his entire life. I was the jock. I was the sports guy. I played football, basketball, track. That's I was that guy. Um, and so my brother came home one day and I'll never forget it. He was uh, he got off of the bus and um, he, he was crying. And, you know, my brother, he's a tough guy. So I said, hey, bro, you know, what's going on? Are you OK? And he said, yeah, I'm never going back to gate, you know, the gifted and talented education program. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, one of my teachers told me that I wasn't smart enough to be there. Mm -hmm. And he had been in gate his entire life. And, and literally from that moment, my brother began to, to, to be complacent. 
he began to stop working so hard. He 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 started yeah. focusing on other passions. And um, to this day, you know, we talk about these things because, you know, it. I, I never was able to forget that moment. And especially as I became an educator, it fueled my passion for the power of words and how mm-hmm. educators can say something that they don't even know how it could shake the core of a student. And my brother was that experience, you know, because to this day, you know, I still believe my brother is uh, more intellectual than me. I mean, he was the guy who could take apart a computer, put it back together, take apart game systems, put it back together. He was just a genius. He was a whiz. Um, And even now he's like into the stock market. He taught me everything I know about the stock market. So he's still super, you know, ingenious. However, he has no degrees. He never went to college. And it wasn't that he couldn't do it. It's just that his passion for education was extinguished by an educator who didn't understand the power of words. And so, again, yeah. I think all of our stories, when we reflect, it's like that's why we do this work, because we have to make educators aware of you have the opportunity to change lives. You know, you can hurt, you can, you know, you can help, but it's up to you. And you got to understand, you know, how powerful your words are. And so just like you just stated, Barbara, you had teachers who told you that, you know, you were not smart. Mark. And you are still recalling these words. I mean, I don't know how many decades, you know, two or three decades later, the words that an educator revealed longer. <laughs> <laughs> but that just goes to show you we have to disrupt the status mm-hmm. quo. We have mm-hmm. to try to rebuild the system. And I think, again, um, you know, when I see when when Basil and I talk. I tell Basil all the time, I, I see where he's going. You know, he, he's someone who has conviction. I mean, that's what we need in the field of education. We need educators who really believe in what they say. You know, they're not just saying things just to say it, to get some attention, but they really believe in what they say. They say what they mean. And so, um, yeah, that once he did that, um, that uh, rebuilding the broken system, uh, culture ed chat, him and I, we just lock arms and we were like, hey, I got your back. You got my back. Let's disrupt the status quo. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I have a Twitter chat, too, by the way. Just my, yeah. I might get you on it because <laughs> oh, I, okay. I really feel I really feel we need to keep talking about this. I mean, we ha- there are I have to say I have met so many amazing people on Twitter and the other social media and some of the teachers now what they're doing. I'm blown away. They're right. amazing mm-hmm. and they need to be recognized also. Yeah. So in fact, Basil, I, I, you do so much now for your teachers and, and do you see some problems, you know, with, um, you know, trying to get them to even believe in themselves? Mm. So, so let, let, let me go back to something that JT said before, before we unpack that a little bit okay. more. Um, it, when we talk about students, like he, he gave a story of his brother, um, there are so many stories, JT and Barbara, where that was said to him. Yeah. But they're the unsettled things or unsaid things that can even be more hurtful because you can't see it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I love the quote from Dr. Maya Angelou where she said, it's not what was said to you, more say, but how people made you feel. Mm-hmm. Right. When you leave a situation, you leave, um, you leave, a, you leave a, uh, interaction with somebody. It's how they made you feel. And so I truly believe that we're in an educational system that was not made for students of color to be successful. Right. <laughs> Just like we have one constitution, but we have two justice systems. Right. Mm-hmm. We have one framework of education, but we have two different systems. Right. Students get tracked. From a very early age, right? JT, I talk a lot about how students get tracked from second or third grade for gifted, right? And from that time on, you're being tracked for gifted. Then you get into middle school, you're in a, a different track. So you're put in a higher level, you know, math, sciences, and then so on and so forth. And it goes into middle school, or, excuse me, goes into high school, IB, AP classes. Or if you're on that special ed track, you're on the lower track, right? And mm-hmm. so a lot of times we have to understand that students like JT said, it's, it's how you make them feel, it's the words, and knowing that that self-efficacy is so huge, right? Mm. When you sit in a meeting time and time again and hear everything you can't do, mm. you hear everything you can't do, and your parent is looking at you like, why, why'd you bring me in here to have me embarrassed? Oh. And then you, ha- you sit in that meeting, and then your parents looking at you ashamed, Right. And then you get in the car, you get more lectures. You got to come up to the school looking crazy. You, you know what I'm saying? And a parent is embarrassed now. You start to internalize those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So, Barbara, when someone, a teacher tells you you're dumb, 
if you already were having those thoughts or they were there, or if you were, if you internally were thinking that like that only for, it may have affirmed, like, you know what, you're right. And what if you let that take root, right? For JT's brother, you know, the lady saying he wasn't supposed to be there. If he really was feeling that from the jump and, and she said that, that then adds on a waters the seed he was already thinking. Right. Yeah. So we have to understand that, like, he, like Jesus said, our words matter. Mm. Yes. Our words matter when we, t- when we tell kids, I believe in you Now, Let me also be real. You know, kids also know when you're fake. They got a sixth sense. <laughs> so, so yeah. don't, don't say, yeah, I was on Barbara's podcast and they said, let me tell the kids next year that they're great. And they're the best thing to slice the world. And you know, I, I want them to all be great. If you've never said that, if your actions never showed that, don't yeah. try it tomorrow because they're going to tell you you're being fake. They know. They know. <laughs> they know what's up, right? Yeah. So they know that. So you got to be genuine. And so so this mm-hmm. system we live in, going back to, to that title of, of disrupting the status quo, let me be clear. It is easy to live in the box of a status quo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Trying easy to jump to out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, even kids, by the way, I I worked with some high school kids that um, were kind of in, entitled and uh, they wanted to personalize learning. And when I showed, you know, that we all work together, the teachers work together and the kids said, no, I don't want to go there. You teach me mm-hmm. kind of attitude. And I was surprised how much they were compliant because they wanted that's how what they they believed That's the only way they could get through school. Mm. Right, right. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so so you have you have those behaviors, you have those attitudes in school, mm-hmm. Barbara. So to your original one of your original questions, you know, before I started speaking was what's going on in schools? How is it affecting teachers? Yeah. Um, and I'm saying the, the the space we're living in now with education is taking a tremendous toll on teachers, mm-hmm. right? They are working overtime, right? Um there's mm-hmm. there and, and so what I'm what I'm finding as an administrator who was again working from home is that there's no there's no disconnect. Right. So when you wake up and get on a laptop, you're still mm-hmm. at home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're still at home trying to do at home things, but you're at work. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so what happens is you work all those hours and then there's never like a when you're at work and you get in your you clock out and you get in your car and come home. Is a there's a, there's a mental shut off that happens. Yeah, an off okay, now yeah. I'm now I'm off work. I'm going home. That never happens. So you're at home. Now you're cooking dinner and doing other things. But you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to send an email. I got to do this. And so you're just working overtime and on all cylinders all the time right and and, mm-hmm. and so it, it it is hard and so mental health is at an all-time high both for students and for adults right um and and the tasks that teachers have on them is so it's so immense right now right mm-hmm. that that is it is breathtaking mm-hmm. um but i want i want teachers to know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing above and beyond. And our kids are still learning and still growing because they are pouring into them. But I will also say this, this, this COVID time, virtual learning gave teachers an opportunity to see how much growth they've done. If any teacher goes back and look and looks, looks at from, from March till now and their own professional growth, no degree could have gave you that type of growth. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at where you came from and just know that the growth and the intelligence and the, the capacity you've built during that time has been has been incredible. So for me, one of the last things I'll say is the system was already jacked up before, Barbara, before COVID happened. We cannot hit the staple easy reset button and go back to what it was. It wasn't working before. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. when we come back to whatever we come back to, we got to do it different. Yeah, got to do it different and 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 rebuild from there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point, Basil. And I think, uh, Basil, you you said a, a mouthful with with uh, your statements. And um, one thing that that really hit home for me was the piece about mental health for educators, for teachers. And I think that um, this is why you know we we talk about uh really trying to connect with kids and meeting their social emotional needs. It's certainly time for educational leaders to prioritize the the emotional wellness of educators. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just uh, 
was was at a school and I, I did a keynote on teaching with purpose and overcoming burnout. And I had to affirm that educational leader in front of her staff because um, in 2016 is when I really first started doing um, training on teacher burnout. And a lot of places that I went to universities, they were saying, hey, we don't really want to talk about teacher burnout with our teacher prep uh, uh, students. We don't a lot of administrators were saying, I don't want to you know, I don't want to talk about teacher burnout with my staff. But um, I would always give them the analogy of if you have someone in your family who you really care about and they have a problem, like let's say they're addicted to something and it is killing them silently and they're unaware. Would you let them know or would you sit back silently and allow them to just kind of fade away and perish? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, I would tell them, I say, and that's how we should approach teacher burnout for educators, because stress is very real. And just because people have multiple degrees, it doesn't mean that they know how to manage their emotions well. It doesn't mean that they know how to cope with their own trauma, with their own anxieties. And so just taking some time to plan some type of wellness activity, some type of PD that's motivational, it can go a long way because to Dr. Marin's point, some educators don't have an opportunity to turn it off. So it would really be amazing to go to work one day and have an administrative leader do something, whether it's a team building activity or something that's really low cognitive weight, mm -hmm. low cognitive work that allows you to just enjoy it. You know, music It's so many different things that educational leaders can do right now to just let teachers know, hey, I see you. I support you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. How else can I serve you in the midst of this? And that will go a long way. I love that, JT. And based on what you just said, too, it's like one of the, I mean, I've done it. For me, I dance. I did a Zoom dance party with I don't know how many teachers and they all said, isn't barbecue? Look at her. She's <laughs> so silly, you know. And I think that the whole idea is that we need to bring laughter back and we need yes. to bring joy back yes. and we need yes. to stop trying to feed them the same old I don't want to say garbage, but some stuff is, and we need to look at what's real because our yes. kids are there. They need, they really want something that's authentic. Now yeah, they want absolutely. to really feel like it's relevant to them. Absolutely. And I, and I always say an uninspired teacher cannot be expected to inspire students. Yeah. And so if teachers are coming in and they kind of, you know, need their cups replenished, they need to be refilled then whose responsibility does that fall on? You know, who's responsible for filling the teacher's cups? You know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't want to put so much uh, uh, emphasis on the administrative leaders because, again, it's a system problem. You know, mm -hmm. some of the educational leaders are walking around saying, hey, I need my cup filled up too. Who's <laughs> filling my cup? So, again, <laughs> we got to look at it differently and say, how can we really, like you said, Barbara, bring the joy back, bring the passion back, bring the excitement back, bring the motivation back, inspire students, inspire staff, inspire educational leaders, and collectively mm -hmm. focus on getting the job done. But again, it's so many different things that cloud our why and, you know, serve as barriers to our inspiration. And I just believe burnout is the main culprit. It is the main opposition of production. And it is stress. You know, it is unrealistic mm -hmm. expectations that hamper us. Um, and so we got to look at that and start saying, hey, how can we really develop authentic community? Yes. How can every school school begin to pull together, not just with student and students, but student and staff, not just with students and staff, but staff and staff. How can we have PLCs with a purpose? How can we have meetings that actually serve a purpose of building community? And lastly, we got to make sure that we're bridging the gap between the school and the community. That's the biggest thing um, to your question. How did the pandemic expose inequities that have always been there? For me, it is parent and family engagement. Mm -hmm. I hear educators say, this student won't get online or this student doesn't want to be engaged. Well, the question is why? You know, there are some educators who they have 100% perfect attendance. And when you ask them, how did they get all of their students to log on? They talk about how many connections they made with the families how they've mailed cards. Some of them even brought gift cards to give to the families out of their own pockets just to show the, the families that I'm here to help you and I'm here to support you. And it, it is those things that are unforgettable. You'll never forget those moments when you know somebody did above and beyond what was their job requirement, but they did it just to show you that they're here to support you. And so we got to think about bridging the gap between the school and the community, because to me, that is the mm -hmm. biggest inequity that was exposed is that parents didn't feel connected. I um, mean, teachers really didn't know how do I communicate with parents in the midst of this. 
Wow. Yeah. I feel, I'm sorry. I Thank you, Lord. This is just so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I mean, I, this has been what I've been wanting to talk about and to have both of you here is so it's like I, I said to JT and Basil, I just said, let's just talk like we're on our porch. And I said, yep, we're here. Get on tea. We up here. We up here on the porch. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, so to piggyback off, uh, off of JT with the, the uh, pandemic exposure, man, we can, we, whew, we can be here all it's, night. There's layers to it. Layers, yeah. layers. <laughs> where, where, where do you start? Right. Yeah. Um, my God. Like, okay. Let's talk about just technology. Mm. Right. Um, a lot of schools were already doing one to one. Right. And I applaud mm. them for doing the work before the work needed to really be done. Mm. And he had divisions where when March happened, oh, snap, director of IT, you need to order 50,000 Chromebooks because <laughs> we're not there. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody in America, it wasn't like it was just happening in California or just happening in Virginia or just happening in Georgia. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. everywhere. So all these all these um, companies now backlog trying to help support students. Right. So we talk about Chromebooks. Then we talk about, OK, there were a lot of divisions that were giving out hotspots. All right, giving out hotspots. You have some divisions that were putting hotspots on buses and then parking them in communities, um, and and all that was 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 great. And and again, meeting a need where 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 you are. But I don't know about you all, but if you've ever used a hotspot, I'm tell you, back in the day when I was struggling, okay, and I had a hotspot on the phone, um, it, it it doesn't, and it was just my, my just my laptop and a and a hotspot, and it was slow. Like it went, I went back to AOL dial up. Y'all know if y'all remember that. <laughs> With a little, 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 uh, little, right. little envelope with the little wings. I mean, it was just, you know, it was slow, right? Yeah. And so we laugh about it, but how many families mm-hmm. is five or six people on a phone or a laptop mm-hmm. or on a Chromebook trying to use one hotspot to, to, to plug in? Or yeah. one computer right? that they're sharing. Or yeah. one computer they're sharing, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so you got a parent, you got a student trying to go to class trying to figure it out, but then you got a parent who've lost their job, and now let me get the laptop during your lunchtime so I can, I can fill out an application. Ah. There's some real things that are going on. So what really was astonishing to me, and I'm flabbergasted by this, is that I thought there really were some people who believed that there were inequities happening. So now they're <laughs> like, oh, so kids don't have Chromebooks? Like, they don't have hot, Why are we giving out hotspots? Every house should, should have internet. Mm-hmm. Like, this things you take for granted, right? Yeah. And if you grew up in that middle class household up to a high income, that was never it was never even a second thought to, to think we don't have Internet. It wasn't a second thought to think you don't have your own MacBook Pro, your own computer. Right. The school didn't give you one. It's OK. You got three laptops and an iPad. Mm-hmm. So we, we good. Right. But think about the families that didn't have that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then so, so understanding kids where they were. Right. And then on top of that, you had teachers. So that was a student side. And then we had teachers who. You know, I'll be real, old school using the overhead projector. Mm-hmm. Okay? Are they still really using those? Absolutely. You got some people who still oh. are. They're just sticking you to what they people. know. Listen, <laughs> that, the overhead projector and the little scantron, they're still there. Yeah. Right? So when he told that person, and this is the most astonishing flip that I saw, when he told that person, now you need to use a Prometheum board and you need to use mm-hmm. Google Classroom in mm-hmm. a Google form. They're like, what? I got to come into the camera because they're like, what are you talking about? Do this one. <laughs> but what, I, what I got to do? I can't have a textbook? No, we're going to turn to page 95. Like mm-hmm. they've done that for years, Barbara. Mm-hmm. So now they have to have an electronic, a PDF. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Like, you know, it just, it, it shook their world. So that was mm-hmm. where building the planets were flying it. So one thing that I really saw in education that I thought was beautiful that I never thought would happen is a lot of times, you know, as an administrator, a new teacher comes in, like JT says, teacher prep. You put that teacher with the old, with the, I, 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 mean, I would say middle middle year to like a veteran year teacher, right? For for mentorship, this is what you do. This is how we do things. Well, it was crazy because now you got a one year teacher, second year teacher now training twenty year vets on mm-hmm. how to do how to do what they need to do because they had no clue. Yeah. So people had to humble themselves and say, "Yo, Susie, <laughs> like, help me. I know, help me. I know you just graduated like yesterday." But I really need to know how to do this. <laughs> and yeah. I'll make sure your curriculum's right. You know what I'm saying? Like people had to do some some bargaining, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that was that was the reality. And it was so beautiful to see that because it became mm-hmm. it, it put 20 year vets were now one year teacher again. Yeah. Like it was so crazy. Uh, it doesn't matter what you knew, 
it, scratch it because this is a whole new thing. Administrators haven't been here. Uh, superintendents haven't been here. Like no one, no one knew the answer, but look where we are and how we've, mm-hmm. how we've come. So I would say the inequities that were there, they, they were exacerbated. Yeah. They were already there. They've been there for 20, 30, 40 years. It's nothing new, Barbara. There's mm-hmm. nothing new. Mm-mm. But now people are looking at like, well, what can we, now, now we have school boards talking about, well, what do yeah. we need to do for our community? Absolutely. Uh, on a different level now, like people yeah. said it before, well, this mm-hmm. is the open comment for the community. What do y'all need? It's a whole different, um, I would say, like like teeth to that now because yeah. now people really see like, okay, people are really struggling. So now we really have to provide for a school. And so like I tell you know, teachers when I'm doing PD, you know, 20 years ago, you strictly were a teacher. You talked to talk the standards, they, the kids passed the EOC or the SOL and you were good. Now it is 20, 30, 70% you're a teacher, 30% you got to be a social worker. Yeah. You got to yeah. know what's going on in the community, mm-hmm. what's going on. Well, I would say in these hallways, but I would say in the Zoom streets, you got to know what's mm-hmm. going on. You got to <laughs> know, know what's going on internally. Everything. Like you got, it's so much other things we got to know. And yeah. it's not just, just strict, strictly teaching anymore. Yeah. Right. And it's, if you can't do that, it's not for you. And that, and, and can I just jump in on yeah. that? Basically, <laughs> that you again, I mean, you hit it out the part because that's why I emphasize professional development can't be status mm-hmm. quo. No, like the way in which we did professional development for all of these years, it cannot be how we move forward, because like Basil said, we need a different type of teacher. We need we need a different type of approach. And that requires a different type of PD. You know, it PD can't be mediocre. It can't be a waste of time. It can't be a sit and get get come, you know, grab and go. It it has to be insightful. It has to be compelling. It has to pique interest. It's got to get your wheels spinning. It's got to be inspirational. And to Basil's point, it's got to challenge us to be better. We can't just accept the fact mm-hmm. that, okay, the kids are the problem. No, the kids never were the problem, never will be the problem. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's our approach to reaching and teaching, you know, students. And to Basil's point about the access piece. I mean, now we know that, okay, maybe those gap groups from 20 years ago was due to access. (laughs) Maybe they didn't have access to the opportunities that that every child deserves to have to be successful. And so with with the virtual learning and the pandemic, it has revealed that if we give kids equal uh, opportunity and they all Mm -hmm. get access to technology and they all get access to Internet, the academic scores will increase, you know, so it's some of the things have been revealed. And, and to your point, Barbara, we can't go back now. Now it's almost like Basil was really alluding to things have been revealed now mm-hmm. that we can't turn a blind eye to towards moving forward. And I'm a professional developer that I've been for a long time. And I was one of the culprits up there doing a sit and get because that's the only way they would bring me in. So I was trying, I tried to, and this is what I've tried to do is say, you need to have a job embedded oh, that's a it. professional that's learning it. where everybody's that's helping it. everybody. <laughs> so it. I started like coaching long ago. I know you're doing that JT and I know you do that Basil, but it's like this, we need to make sure that we model it and then they can take this and, and they can be there for each other, especially if you're going to be forming co-teaching models or absolutely parents and teachers. I would even say bring parents in, have them part absolutely. of that on the, you know, like if you, if you have teams mm-hmm. developing strategies, bring them in this thing now and then you can do it absolutely. on zoom. <laughs> yes. Yes. And no, and you, you make a great point, um, Barbara, because I think, um, history, we are mo- moving toward a goal now because, again, they wouldn't allow you to, to do the inspiring and really, uh, you know, deep, profound PD because they weren't accustomed to that. They wanted what they were used to. But now we see that, to Basil's point, we need, we need you, you have to be eclectic today. You got to be an interdisciplinarian. And so um, it, it's just, it's, it's amazing how now when you look at like ESSA, you know, the, the law on every student and succeed that it's amazing how they have the verbiage of job embedded coaching in the law now they're like the best pd is sustained pd it is Mm -hmm. over time and that's why we do have to make sure that we are um coaching teachers you know that's the number one rated type of professional development when you poll and survey teachers what do they want 
they want to be coached. They want someone to give them feedback. They want to ask those questions that they don't feel comfortable asking in front of the faculty in the, in the faculty meeting because they don't want to look as if they didn't know something. But when they have a trusted coach who brings insight and experience and, you know, a wealth of strategies, that's the individual who they can connect with and they can actually grow and develop into a high performing educator. And that's what every child deserves. Mm-hmm. Every child deserves a, a quality educator who's confident and competent standing at the front of the classroom and so we the system has to take the blame not just the the the, uh the k-12 through but also higher education and the teacher prep programs everything has to be a little bit more dynamic um than it has been oh okay listen i I gotta tag (laughs) in because that because we talk about job embedded right and that, that's just the technical standards, how we're reaching kids, how uh, a lesson, a uh, free part lesson. They got Like I said, I do, we do, you do, all mm-hmm. those things. Right? Mm-hmm. We all know the, that language. But let me bring that back to equity, okay? Because there's an equity lens that teachers have to have as well. And Come so on. something that I, that I saw was that people, I see a lot of people who are doing an equity Twitter chat or an equity book club, right? I've, I've read White Virgility or skipped through it or read a chapter <laughs> here there, or read it from front to back, mm-hmm. right? I've done, I've done, I've done my, my books and I'm good now. But mm-hmm. just like JT said, in terms of teaching and the job of better coaching is a process and a journey. Equity mm-hmm. is a journey. It's not a mm-hmm. one-stop shop. You can't do it one time and think that I'm good for the year, right? Um, like I said, equity in terms of disrupting the trash, I've lived it. I can yes. take it to live it's, it. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> right? It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, Barbara, like, I, you know, I, and I keep I'm going to keep saying this because it's real. There's a reason why Lifetime, the channel is doing so well and it's been around for forever is because a movie takes you through so many emotions in that hour and a half, two hours. You're happy that you might have shed a little tear from glory. You know what I'm saying? Uh, somebody, you know, <laughs> someone had cancer or, you know, somebody lost a leg or it could be anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of brings it back around for the story. And and the, the beauty of Lifetime Barber is after you've had your low moment, you go take the TV off and you go live your life. You're like, OK, ooh, start my day now. I'll do whatever I'm going to do. Right. Or call my girlfriend, whatever. The thing is, Barbara, when I go to Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, I can't turn my blackness off. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Our kids can't turn off who they are. They can't take off. They can't turn off their culture. They can't turn off the inequities going on in their life. Right. And so, and basil. So, and basil. <laughs> they, they can't. They can't turn off the perceptions that people hold about them. That's right. That's it. That's it. So and it because, is scary now. Yes. So because you, so because of that, we also need to have. So before we even have the PD of curriculum and instruction and all that, we need Come to on. have implicit bias PD <laughs> of who you are yes. as an educator and how do you see your kids. Yes. How do you see them? Because all that impacts everything in terms of climate and culture, how mm. your school is run, all mm. that. Am I chasing kids down the hallway for an earbud and a hoodie? Yeah. Right. And then yeah. I'm at the same teachers that saying, well, you need to do better on this math test. But the kids feel like you don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, let me be clear. I'm all for accountability and hold kids accountable. But it's all about what you say to kids and how you how you said it. Yeah. Right. True. I've seen kids, Barbara. I, I've been a high school level my whole time. No one wants to wake up in the morning, get out of their driveway and somebody screaming and hollering at them. Nobody wants that. Right. Yeah. Like, first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. But you come to kids <laughs> in the hallway hollering and screaming about an earbud. Oh. Right. And then the, the SRO happens to walk by, you know, how can I help this kid better, better take this hoodie off. Cause I already told him five times he's mm-hmm. being disrespectful to me. All mm-hmm. of a sudden it's a write up. The SRO's involved. And I come down the hallway 20 minutes later, kids are, are in handcuffs. Oh my gosh. Over a, a earbud. Like how, how we get here. Wow. How, how do we get here? Oh, so, you know, you mentioned, okay. Can you, imagine, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you, if the three of us or you two, could bring together a you know some type of you know talk about this, really get into it with teachers and then really go deep and talk about bias that they have and you know I I don't even know if they're open to it yet. I mean, some of people mm. are so afraid to mm. say. Yes, that, that's true, yeah. Barbara. That's I, true. 
I wrote a Google Doc all about privilege and my white privilege and growing up in Silver Spring, Maryland. I don't know if you remember what happened there, right? And I didn't even know I was part of it. And I shared it with some people and they said, you better not put it out there. You might get people attacking you. I'm going, I'm trying to show you that I was biased and didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. And if we don't talk about it and, and there's something about being that vulnerable person and, Mm. and being okay to say, I'm learning. I need to learn. Maybe we can get some of these people that have hate but don't like being so mean and want to learn. Maybe if they can hear that, that we can all help each other get over this. Yeah. Right. It's definitely beauty and vulnerability, um, but it takes that bravery. It takes courage to, to acknowledge yeah. that, Hey, I was wrong as two left shoes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to show anyone their scars. You know, we want to walk around as if we're just perfect. We have no flaws, no blemishes, but that's not real. (laughs) That's not authentic. That's the movie world. That's fantasy land. The reality is we have flaws and we've made mistakes along our journey. We've all made mistakes in terms of teaching. How many tests have we, how many uh, lessons have we taught? And we say, oh my goodness, I got to go revisit that. But again, (laughs) it takes that reflection. If you're not willing to own your bias, if you're not willing to own your, your mistakes and the things that you need to improve upon, because really it's about personal development. Those who are committed to growing, they're the ones who are quicker to acknowledge that, okay, I do have an issue and I need to address the issue. And then I probably could be a little bit more successful. But if you never own it, if you keep trying to, you know, cover up those things that need to be addressed, no progress is going to be made. Yeah. Wow. JT and Basil. I, I, I want to keep talking, but I just want to make sure you can, this is, we could go on for hours. This is, this is the real work right here. This is the real this work. And the, I, and I want to be clear. Like, I want to be clear that, you know, as black men, black men on here on the show, we have our own flaws. We have our own things that we got to work through. Right. So I want to be clear. It's not just white people that have all the stuff to fix because absolutely. a lot of black people, too, who are against their own people. Right. So yeah. I want to be clear. But a lot. But we talk about the educational system. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. It's, it's 85. It's 80 percent white females. It's education. Right. And, and a lot of times we talk about bias It's really about how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. Right. It's how you were brought up. And it's not it's a wrong upbringing, but it's the only upbringing that, you know. Right. And so I did a PD one time where I um, I had someone take off, like, Barbara, you wear glasses. I had you come up to the front, and I had you take your glasses off, and then I had another person put the glasses on, oh. right? And they put them on, and they're like, ooh, like, I, what's going on? And I'm like, can you see? They're like, nah, not really. And I'm like, okay, well, why, why, what do you think you can see? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, because those lenses weren't made for you, mm. right? Whoa, and, and, that's and, powerful. <laughs> and other people have other lenses. Yeah. So how do we, how do we come to the table and, and value and respect the other lenses instead of yeah. trying to take it away and say, well, if your lenses aren't, aren't this dimensional, you can't come to the table. Yeah. So it's about empathy. That's like it. you're talking about and, and different yeah. perspectives. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, I've been talking about empathy, empathy. And then I realized, come on, Barbara, you need to have a little more empathy yourself. And, yeah. and, and you need to understand that some of the things some people are saying, you need to stop for a minute and really listen. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't listening hard enough. So I've been spending this whole year trying to really talk less and listen more. And tr- and that's where the stories are. That's why I'm doing this, you know, a lot on stories. And that's why I wanted to have you here. And um, I just, I'm, I want to cry. <laughs> because I've been wanting to talk about this for so long. And then when Basil said, oh, yes. <laughs> and bring JT along. <laughs> Listen, you said you can do it by yourself. Or bring somebody with you. I said, I, I got, I got the person. Just let me know the time, right? And and so I love. So let me say this too, Barbara. I love your word. Um, well, I definitely want JT to say his word of the year, but your word of the year being stories, and and the reason mm, that resonates with me so mm. much is that stories can move mountains. Mm. There's a reason why. There's a reason why people, even like you think about indigenous people. How do they? How do they? How do they transfer knowledge and insights to the next generation? It's through stories, right? You, mm-hmm. you didn't have to be there, but you heard a story of your great great father, grandfather, or someone else. And you're like, ooh, okay, they did all that, mm-hmm. right? And so the thing is, is that when you 
even if if someone doesn't think that what they're seeing in education is wrong, if you listen to a story, yeah, and let the story hit you and mm. say, "Man, somebody's doing that." Yeah, to somebody's yeah. baby, somebody's child. Like I need, I need educators to understand they're sending their best product every day. They don't save their best child for Friday. It's Friday. You're gonna get paid today. So I'm sending you the best child I got today. They're sending their best product every day. So how you know for educators, how would you want your own child to be educated? Yeah, and and if and and, and if you allow your kids to give you feedback as a teacher, what would they say about you as a teacher? Mm. Right, and it's not about being kids' friends. It's not about you know you can get more followers from your class. It's more about the connections. The connections are huge. So I love that you're you're one word of stories because that that's what moves people to, to to for the conviction of I gotta do better and how can I continue to do this work, right? How can, can I continue to make sure that all kids have what they need? And some people just need a little bit of a push. And I think some of the work that JT and I've done a lot with. ASCD conferences and stuff this summer is some people are ready. They just didn't have the tools. Yeah. They were ready. Right. It was good. It was great soil, but they just didn't have the tools. And so Mm -hmm. um, for me, when I talk about disrupting the status quo, wherever you are on the journey, we can equip you. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're just now starting, that's okay. But I, I appreciate someone coming to the table and saying, I'm just now starting and I need help. And we're not going to burn you for that. Yeah, right? I want to yeah. learn. I'm yeah. okay with people who are like, I'm in there with you, but I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's make it happen. But we need people. Uh, JT, JC knows I always say this, iron sharpens iron. We got to sharpen each other. Yes. And I need you just like you need me. So why don't we work together? Two are always better than one. Yeah, and so, three. There you go, three. Uh-huh. Better than two. Uh, a triple, a triple braided cord is not easily <laughs> broken. Oh man, this is the best porch talk I've ever had. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you so no, much. That's, that's I, powerful. This has been really, I just feel like I, like I said, we're going to have to revisit this in many ways because, and, and, and there's other people that probably want to come in the conversations too, but thank you so much, JT and Basil. This is. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for having us. Um, you know, again, Dr. Marion knows how I feel about him. We're knit together. Um, you know, if he calls me and asks for anything, you know, he already knows the answer. And I feel <laughs> the same way about him. I can call him and ask him for anything. So um, we're partnering in this work. And, you know, Barbara, mm-hmm. we appreciate you um, allowing us to have this platform because we have conversations like this at least once or okay. twice a day. <laughs> really? So, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to his point, iron sharpens iron, you know, yeah. I mean, wow. we, we recharge each other because, you know, when you're trying to disrupt the status quo, mm-hmm. you, you need authentic people who support you, you know, because it is it's an emotional work. You know, mm-hmm. it, you, you have your highs and low because you want to change the system. You want to help students achieve success. You want parents to be, you know, in, on board and, and it can it can exhaust you. And every educator knows exactly what we're talking about because they have the highs and lows of just trying to be, make a difference. Yeah. And it's challenging to make a difference. But when you have one or two people who are in your corner, who are just cheering for you, rooting you on, it can make the difference. So thank you for being that person for us tonight. And thank yeah. you for giving us this opportunity to share our hearts um, and our passion for this equity work. Oh, yeah, thank Bar- you, JT. Bar- Barbie, I want to be clear, though. It ain't always unicorns and sprinkles, though, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> it's tough work. I, I got to keep it real. <laughs> like, like you said, the work's exhausting. You know, yeah. last week we called each other and we sat on the phone like and all we said, all we could say to each other after what happened in the Capitol building was, bro, we, oh, we didn't even have man. words. Oh, I wish oh, I had been man. there because I I was words. crying. I was alone. I was crying. Yeah. It was just yeah. hard. We, we yeah. didn't have words, Barbara. And I'm not, I can't speak for me, but I'm, you know, it's, it's not too often you find me speechless. Yeah. Right. And, and JT, I can say the same thing about him. He, he's someone that I could put him on a, I, guess I was about to say a pulpit, but I could put him <laughs> anywhere and we're going to find something to make it, you know, make it work. Yeah. But we, we just have any words about we were hurt. We were like, yeah. what do you say? Right. Yeah. So, it was awful. So I was I was perplexed to the um, I mean, I could not fathom what took place. Oh, man. And to this day, it's I'm still troubled by it. I'm still troubled by it. Um, But you you got to hold on to hope. But uh, back to Basil's original point, that's how that's how, you know, the work is real. Mm -hmm. It's real Mm -hmm. work that has to be done. And um, yeah, it's tough. 
And it's going to take time because that mm-hmm. that was, I mean, it, it was almost like I, is this real? It just didn't yeah. seem yeah. real. And yeah. and what's so sad is that, um, well, I don't even know if I want to get into this because I, I'm say, that's, a whole <laughs> that's going to be the same for another time. Okay? Yes. The reason yes. I brought it up, Barbara, was because I wanted to tell you it's not always you know, always high, high. And, we, and we, you know, we're, yeah. we're both uplifting positive people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's times like he hadn't heard from me in five days and he'll text me like, you good? Yep. Yeah. Because he knows. And I'll call yeah. him like, I can't believe she said this. He's yep. like, man, take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> you know you what I'm saying? And he said, talk to me off the ledge. Like, man, let's take two steps back from the ledge. You good. Mm-hmm. What happened? And, you know, think about it in this lens. And, you know, it brings me back. So one of the things, I, you know, the last question was opportunities to build or continue, right? Mm-hmm. I would say tap into your PLN. Yeah. Tap into your, your professional learning community. And I would say, um, you know, I'm going to be real. If you're the smartest person in your circle, you're in the wrong circle. That's right. That's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is if you can't, if you can't, Find someone in your circle who can ask the questions you have about equity. You need to extend out. You need to extend that net a little wider and yeah. say, "Hey, I need help." Right? Mm-hmm. I know you're going to share both JTs and our, our, our Twitter handles, and we would love to connect with anyone about this work. Um, whether, you, like I said, whether you are a superintendent or whether you are a principal, whether you're a teacher, we, we're, we're both accessible. Um, but the thing is, you have to you have to extend out a hand and say, "I, I need help." And I yep. know that can, especially when we talk about equity and disrupting the status quo, mm-hmm. that can be a very humbling experience, but yeah. it, it, it has to happen in order for the work to be changed. Right. Yeah. And I will yeah. say this silence though, is not an option. No, yeah. because your silence speaks volumes. It's true. Well, that's, and true. I'll just say real quick is that um, I was like you, I didn't, there was a time period where people, I didn't, I couldn't even go on Twitter for about a week. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen me on Twitter, but I'm not there. People are like, what's wrong? Did Barbara die or something, you know, like that. And uh, so people were calling me, you know, texting me and everything. And I think I think what we need to do is be there for each other. Absolutely. And know that sometimes because I'm the one that's like, Lala, I'll help you get out of it. I needed someone to do that for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And they don't. And because I put on this happy face, they think, oh, well, Barbara, yep. she can handle it. Like yep. you, Basil, I didn't know. Because mm-hmm. you're always so strong. You look so, you know, and so. I was crushed. <laughs> I, was, I think the world was crushed, really. Yeah, but but yeah. I think you needed, I needed to talk about it. And I have mm-hmm. some people, friends, family that don't want to talk about things like right. that. And I'm right. like, mm-hmm. ah, I need to find my PLN or my, yeah, absolutely. and I need to talk to certain people because I, it, it, it's like, Hey, this is big. This yeah, is historic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been through things because I grew up around the DC during the civil rights movement and all the things Kennedy was, you know, all that stuff. I've been, I'm really old, but I also am pretty young at heart, you know, right, and I, right. <laughs> and the, but the thing is experience matters too. Oh, yes. That's yes. Right. And right. just learning about your stories. Thank you, JT, for saying that about stories and Basil. I mean, yeah. I, I, and Basil, you saying that because it means a lot. And um, on that note, I think that we should pull this together (laughs) (laughs) and find another time to meet. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you so much again, Barbara, for your, for your time, your commitment, your, your, your stand in this work. Again, I I want, I want to say this publicly. Um, Thank you for what you do, because again, there's a lot of podcasts that are not covering this topic we discussed tonight. They're not not comfortable with it. They're not okay with it. um, Or they might not feel like we even have this issue. So, or they think that our our division doesn't need this conversation because we're not urban. Every division should be having this conversation. Every school, every organization should be having this conversation. So thank you for your bravery on stepping out and putting this out there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Everything. (laughs) Thank you, both of you. Well, we'll do, we'll get this out there then. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Barbara. (laughs) Take care. Good talking with you.